Welcome to the Relax, It's Retirement podcast with Josh Leonard from Leonard Advisory Group. In this podcast, we help those nearing retirement greet it with a well-prepared smile. Join Josh and his guests to learn the retirement and tax planning tips you need so you too can live your golden years with the happiness and excitement you deserve. Hear stories from his years of experience to help you transition into a fun and intentional retirement. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Relax. It's Retirement Podcast with your host, Josh Leonard, where we talk about transitioning into retirement with intent. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Josh. How are you today? Great. How are you, Wendy? I am good. Now we have a guest. Would you like to introduce our guest? Yes, absolutely. So today's guest is Carol. Carol is a client of ours that we've worked together for quite a few years. And recently we had a meeting and we were talking about some of her extracurricular activities now that she's retired. And she had talked to us a lot about Christopher's Kitchen and how she's volunteering there. So I thought she'd be a great guest to come on, talk about what they're doing at Christopher's Kitchen and talk about some of their upcoming events as well. Well, welcome, Carol. We are so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Carol, let's jump right in and let's start off with how'd you get involved at Christopher's Kitchen? Sure. My longtime friend, Joni, and I, we've been friends for over 20 years. And actually, she's a hairdresser. And back, she started Christopher's Kitchen back in 2017. And I was still working at the time. And she was telling me about it. And at that time, as a small nonprofit, you know, they started out slowly and it was gaining more ground through the years. And so once I retired in 2019, I felt like I needed something else to do with my time. And so she asked me to come on her board. And that's how I actually got involved initially with Christopher's Kitchen was through my friend Joni as it's, she was the one that founded the organization. Okay. And your role developed, I think you were appointed vice president last year, was it? Yes, yes. I started out as a board member and basically just helped out where I could, started learning more about the organization, what it was doing. And my role kind of evolved into heading up the food portion of the charity. So for your listeners out there, basically Christopher's Kitchen feeds the families of the children who are patients in Children's Hospital. And so what we do is we organize fund food drives, and fundraising events to raise money to buy food that we can take to the families that are in uh, Children's Hospital. So I started working and organizing the purchasing and delivery of the food. And so now we have six units in the hospital that we are currently providing food to. So it's become a much bigger function and I now have a bunch of volunteers that help me with that, both with the delivery and the ordering of the food. Oh, very cool. Very cool, Carol. Let's talk a little bit more about how Joni started Christopher's Kitchen and, and the need that she saw and, you know, how she kind of evolved to, to fill the need. Sure. Because of a sad event in her life, which was the loss of her stepson, 
she started going to Children's Hospital as a volunteer to try and deal with her grief and help families who were also who weren't experiencing necessarily the loss of a child, but were dealing with a lot of grief and stress because their children were in in the hospital. And so she would do uh, a coffee house along with some other volunteers, and the moms would come to the coffee house uh, to get their nails done. And Joni would listen to their stories about, you know, how what their children were going through, what they were going through, the stress of being in the hospital 24-7, and the fact that it was tough sometimes trying to figure out where they were going to get food uh, to eat during the day. And a lot of these families have been there uh, for many days, weeks, sometimes months. And so when you're at the hospital like that with your child 24-7, you don't anticipate being there that long. And so even though you may have a decent income from your jobs, you don't expect that expense that you're going to run into in having to be there with your child long term. So she was hearing a lot of this from the families, from the moms, and they were telling her how it would be great if they had some sort of access to food 24-7. So she came up with the idea of Christopher's Kitchen, of trying to set up a pantry in different units of the hospital where people could come in and access food any time of the day or night, and it would be free. Nobody would have to, you know, come in and say, you know, show them, you know, their incomes or anything to say, show that they were, had some sort of financial need to be able to eat uh, that food. It's just, nobody's going to put that pressure on them when they're in that situation. So she went to the board of the hospital and pitched her idea. And they said, you know, we have a gap here. That's something we would you know, love to see you do for the hospital. So back in 2017, it started. And she started initially in the emergency department. They had three pantries they started with down there. This was in 2017. And then they were also delivering food bags to the PICU. And we have two kinds of types of food that we actually stock at the hospital. We'll do food bags, which are about six or seven items that we put in a bag, like either mac and cheese or a a soup that they can microwave, some crackers, a fruit cup or pudding cup, a package of cookies, maybe some trail mix, things like that, that they can, granola bar, a protein bar, things like that, that they can kind of eat whenever they get hungry. And they have access to microwaves. So, you know, the issue, there's no issue with soups or mac and cheese kind of thing. So that's, those items go into a bag and we drop off like at least 50 bags to a particular unit every other week. And then the staff on that unit will see that those bags get distributed to the families that are there. They'll go around to the patient rooms and ask if anybody wants a bag, a food bag. Then the other uh, thing that we do is on three units now, we have, a there's a pantry on that unit. So it's like a little kitchenette where you walk in and there's counters and uh, a microwave and a refrigerator and there's a coffee maker. And we actually drop off boxes of food, like from Sam's Club, we get bulk individually packed items in these boxes, all kinds of things for them. And they stock it, they put food out every day. And we 
they will replenish every day. We don't put it all out at once because if you put it all out at once, <laughs> you know what happens to the food. And we st we do this every two weeks. So, and it's expensive. And so, you know, we want to make sure that the families are getting the food and uh, not, you know, the housekeeping staff helping themselves. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whoever's cleaning up at the end of the night's getting some extra snacks too. Yes, and I mean we've had problems with that, and but the the staff at the hospital has, you know, taken measures to to curb that. But yeah, that was happening for a while. So sure, yeah, I think you know when our oldest son Eli was in the NICU at a different <laughs> hospital, but it it was a time where we were spending every possible second we could at the hospital to be there with him and you know, between my wife and I alternating being there and running home to take care of the dog and still trying to work, et cetera, et cetera. And we know that there was families that had, you know, newborn babies there for a lot longer than we did that were from West Virginia or had a further travel to go back and forth to home. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard to just do your basic life when you need to be in the hospital all the time. Maybe some of our listeners have experienced that with elderly parents or, you know, other family members as well. So having any added convenience to make your life easier certainly can be a huge help for folks. I think we had talked a little bit too about how, you know, when a parent is in the hospital with their child, they're often in the position where they're making those decisions for the child too. So talk about how you guys help with that a little bit too. Sure. We we want to make sure that they have access to food because if you're hungry, you're not making the best decisions. And so this is another way to help the families take some of that stress off of what they're experiencing. And also it, it's provides comfort and lets them know that somebody cares about them because again it's a very stressful and emotional situation for them as well certainly certainly and i think you know we always say it's never good to shop on an empty stomach right you don't want to go to the grocery store right before dinner unless you have a list that you're specifically sticking to and those are minor decisions those aren't life-changing decisions and certainly with your children you're always you know, a little bit more emotional than I think you are at the grocery store. So helping helping those families, you know, be able to make better decisions, make decisions on a full stomach. Are there any cool stories that you've experienced or any stories of how, you know, Christopher's Kitchen has really helped individual families? Yes, I have a couple. So we had a woman whose son was a patient at Children's Hospital. And she actually was able to take advantage of our pantry. And so her son, fortunately, did not have a long stay and, and was treated and able to go home. And she was so impressed that she organized a food drive at her son's school. And they're from Bedford County. And so we didn't really know anything about this until she called one day and said, and told us her story about how she used the pantry and said, I organized a food drive and my son has a follow-up appointment at Children's two days after Christmas. This was last year. And she said, we'd like to drop off the food. I met her at the office and they pulled up in a pickup truck and the back of the pickup truck was filled with 10 Xerox boxes full of food. Wow. So we were just, yeah, we were just overwhelmed with her kindness and she just wanted to pay it forward. And it helped us because 
we have a list on our website of the types of food items that we need for our pantries and the food bags. It wasn't like she provided us with random food. They provided us with the types of food that we actually need. And that's one way that it helps our bottom line because then we don't have to go out and buy food. We can actually use the food that they donated to fill the bags and to stock the pantries. That helped us out for several months. Okay. Yeah. And we'll link Christopher's Kitchen's website in the show notes too. So if if you're in the Pittsburgh area and want to make a donation or want to, you know, look for the items that they need, I assume you guys are regularly updating that the needed items and it probably stays pretty stable, doesn't it? It is pretty much the same because we need, for the most part, we get shelf stable items as donations. And then the big thing that we tell people is expiration dates. We cannot put anything in the hospital that's past the expiration date. So we tell people to make sure if they're donating food that they have at least two months before the expiration date, because it'll take, you know, a little while for the food to circulate. And, the you know, we, as uh, a hospital, since we're providing food to the hospital, they have strict guidelines as far as expiration dates and things on food. So certainly, certainly that makes sense. So tell me a little bit more about your role and how in retirement you're finding it to be, you know, a rewarding use of your time. Sure. You know, I find that being able to go to the hospital and interact with the staff and actually meet some of the parents that come to the pantry has been rewarding to actually hear from them and see how much it's helping them has been a rewarding experience. And also we had another story that we I just found out about yesterday that goes to show the lengths that we can go to to help some families. There was a, a woman, her name's Jody, and she's a friend of Joni, the founder. And Jody knew about Christopher's Kitchen because through Joni, but she had also participated in some of our fundraising events and had also donated food to Christopher's Kitchen. So she knew that we were at the hospital. Jody's son's friend ended up in the hospital. He is 16. He just turned 16. And he got a virus in an artery and it went to his heart and his heart is very damaged, so much so that he may need a heart transplant. Oh, and the, the family is very stressed out. They've been at the hospital 24-7. They're staying at a hospital across the street. And Jody talked to the mom, and she said, do you know about Christopher's Kitchen? I think it would be an, a, an asset to you while you're at the hospital. And the woman had not heard of it. And no one at the hospital had told her about it. Well, it turns out it's on the cardiac floor and we're not on the cardiac floor. So she didn't have access to that food. But Jody called Joni and told her about it. And so Joni went to the office and she packed up a bunch of food bags and gathered some other items and took them down to the hospital and met the mom and gave them some food. And she said it was a great comfort to her to have that. And it just uh, made, it was one less thing that they had to worry about. And she was very appreciative. So, I mean, those are the kind of things that really make what we do worthwhile. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I think it saves in 
well, three aspects. One, actually eating, because I'm sure some folks just don't eat when they're in that situation. Two, the cost of going out to eat. So mm -hmm. if you're going to even the cafeteria in the hospital or any of the local restaurants nearby, it costs a lot more money than eating a meal at home. And then also the time, you know, in this situation, if you're trying to spend every second you possibly can with your son while he's struggling through this, you don't have to take the time to go even to the grocery store or to a neighboring restaurant. So it enables folks to really maximize that time that they have with their loved ones. Yeah, that, that was really an important aspect of what we're doing and why we wanted to be in the hospital because Joni knew from talking to the moms that they really didn't want to spend hardly any time out of the room. They wanted to be able to grab something quickly and get back in there. So having a pantry or access to food bags right there on the floor makes a huge difference. Yeah, certainly so. Certainly so. So you have an upcoming event here, and I think this is an annual event you do. Is that correct, Carol? Yes, it is. It's called the Monster Bash. It's a huge co costume party that we throw at the Edgeworth Club in Swickley. It's going to be on Saturday, October 21st from 7 to 11. And we're, we have the band No Bad Juju, which is a pretty popular band here in Pittsburgh. They have all kind do all kinds of music and they're very popular and they get everybody up on the floor dancing and we will have food and uh, we're giving out gifts for the best costumes and we'll have a silent auction and a live auction to raise money for the event this is our big fundraiser of the year and so we're hoping to be able to raise quite a bit of money to to fund the current pantries and hopefully expand to another unit or two, maybe get to the cardiac unit where this young man is who's having the heart problems. Sure. Oh, that's wonderful. So yeah, if you're looking to learn more about the Monster Bash, we'll have a link to that as well, where you can buy tickets to join the event as well and help Carol in raising money for Christopher's Kitchen. I believe that those tickets are discounted through the 1st of October. Is that correct, Carol? Uh, yes, actually through the end of September. If you okay. buy your tickets be before October 1st, they're $99. And you get, you know, food. We, we're going to have food at two different points during the evening and you get two drink tickets uh, with that as well. So. Oh, wonderful. Halloween parties are always fun. That's a good time. And they if you are. got live music, everyone in costumes for a great cause, it sounds like a fantastic time. Uh, it, it was. Last year was the first year I went. The year before, I got involved with Christopher's Kitchen at the beginning of 2021. And that the pandemic was still going on then. And so we did not hold it that year because we were just afraid of, you know, people coming and uh, either not coming because they were afraid of the pandemic or people not wanting to come because they had to wear masks because masks, you know, wearing masks could be an issue for some people. So out of an abundance of caution, we did not have it in 2021. And that was my first year involved with the organization. And so last year we had it and that was my first time there. And we had a blast. My husband and I dressed as uh, Fred and Wilma Flintstone. No, oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you walk the car there too? Or? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, we did. But he had he had his club, of course, you know, and uh, tried to uh, use it on me, but uh, I was too quick for him. So. Well, dabba dabba do. <laughs> dabba dabba do. The the funny thing was 
And there was another gentleman at the uh, event who came, also came in the exact same Fred costume. And the two of them really, you know, made a, a funny uh, ordeal out of it. They were up on the dance floor sort of having a, a fight up there with their clubs, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, they, they were really good sports about it. So it, it was funny. Oh, that's wonderful. Any any sneak peeks of costumes for this year, Carol? Oh, no. My lips are sealed on that one. You okay, to, fair enough, have, fair enough. You, you have to come, come to see. Okay. Has... Oh, there you go. Yeah, buy those tickets and then you'll find out. What was the best costume last year? Do you recall who won best costume? It was a couple. They were dressed sort of like an Egyptian garb, kind of, okay. you know, the sort of with the headgear and you know, the long robes and things. So, but it, they were pretty detailed and everything. Sure. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. There were, I didn't vote for them for best because we do best couple and they do best individual costumes, male and female. And then they do group costumes too. So like if you have a people that come as a group, like the No Bad Juju last year dressed up as Star Wars characters. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that, cool. yeah. So you you can do groups if you have a theme, you know, around it, uh, or you can have a bunch of different characters. So yeah, we had um, we went to an adult Halloween party last year here in Michigan, and there was one guy that had made his own Mandalorian <clears throat> costume. Oh, cool! Out of Mountain Dew cans, <laughs> and I was like, that I, the amount of time and the amount of Mountain Dew. Uh, required for that costume is pretty mind-blowing to me. Um, but it's always cool to see how creative folks get with uh, their Halloween costumes. Yeah, I'm amazed th at the creativity of some people. That's not me. I admit I go out and, and buy my costume, but I, I give hats off to those who are creative enough to do that. I went to... Um, there was a woman one time, and this was a number of years ago, not at this event, but another event was dressed up as a stink bug, and she had nailed it <laughs> back when the stink bugs were. The yeah, yeah. There's a new bug in town in Pittsburgh right. now, though. Yeah. Wendy, I don't know if you have them in New Jersey. It's the Asian firefly, I think is what they're called. Oh. I was at the spotted lantern fly. That's oh, the oh, the spotted lantern fly. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're everywhere. <laughs> I was unaware this was a thing. And recently, while I was in Pittsburgh, I was walking into our office and I'm like, what are all these huge bugs everywhere? Uh, fortunately, they haven't made it this far west yet, but I think it's only a matter of time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. Maybe this year we'll have a spotted, spotted lantern fly costume. We may. We may. They have colorful wings, so it would be a, a, an interesting costume to see, I think. Yeah, I think they're they're interesting looking, but, you know, from my understanding, they're extremely invasive. And, you know, I think the guidance is to just kill them. <laughs> but you at least do they that. don't stink, I right? Don't at do least they don't stink. Just kill them. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, Carol, thank you so much for joining us today. As uh, Josh said, we're going to put the information for Christopher's Kitchen in the show notes. Um, do you have a website that you could give us for some quick access? Sure. It's Christopher'sKitchen.org. All right. Great. And Josh, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. They can check us out at our website at LeonardAdvisoryGroup.com. They can give our office a call at 412-998-PLAN or feel free to email me directly at jleonard 
at leonardadvisorygroup.com. And thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Relax, It's Retirement podcast, the show that helps you transition into a happy, fun, and intentional retirement. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.leonardadvisorygroup.com or give us a call at 412-998-PLAN. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Leonard Advisory Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.